Good morning and welcome to chapel. Let's start out by singing number six in the blue hymnal, six here in this place and please stand. And we won't sing verse three. Good morning and welcome to chapel. Today, three graduating seniors will be sharing their thoughts on and journey with faith. Times of transition and change, such as graduation, the end of a school year, or even the end of a week, lend themselves well to reflection. Where have we come from? Where are we now? What have we learned, experienced, and understood differently? While we are all here together and have seen many of the same things, we each have a different story or journey to tell. And our stories are not yet complete or static, but rather always growing and changing as we also grow and change. The stories we will hear today are likewise not complete, but more like updates along the way. As we now light the Christ candle to symbolize the presence of God here with us, I encourage you to think about the sacredness of your own journey and where you are right now. I now invite you to stand up and greet the people around you and get to know each other. I now invite Allison to come up. She will share, followed by Andrea and then Quinn. All right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, to begin, I would like to ask all of you to close your eyes. What do you see when I say the word church? I won't ask all of you. You can open your eyes now. I won't ask all of you to share what you saw, but I will tell you that when I got to Goshen four years ago, I saw four walls and a roof 
and lots of edges. I grew up in a relatively conservative Mennonite church. The Sunday I got baptized, I remember kind of feeling like a heathen because I was having my mom's best friend speak in front of the church. She just happens to be a lesbian, and we all know how some parts of the Mennonite church feel about that. Um, but my church didn't say anything about it, and no one ever mentioned it. But goodness me if I make a pro-gay statement on Facebook from time to time. There were beautiful souls in that church, though, and I'm still lucky enough to interact with them almost daily. The pastor came into the soda shop a week ago and tipped me almost 100% of his bill, even though I got really busy and forgot to refill his coffee. Then on Monday, two of my best friends from that church and I went out for dinner. And even though we hadn't interacted in a very long time, we picked up like nothing had changed. We discussed some serious things happening in our lives, job interviews, moving out, and preparing to leave this little corner of Indiana that we've all known for 22 years. Then Wednesday, another friend from that church was right there when I got sick and almost fainted in the library. And then for the last four years, I have been challenged by a professor who I first met in that church. All this to say, there are wonderful people there. But these people taught me a very important lesson. They taught me that church is not four walls. Church is not a roof, and church is not edges. As I got older, I felt somewhat crowded in that space. Although I spoke in front many times, I knew that there was this unspoken list of topics never to bring up. And I was frustrated by this. I had opinions, and I wanted to shout them. I was tired of being hushed. I was tired of these unspoken lists. These feelings coincided with my graduating from high school and my coming to Goshen College. Being a freshman in college brings a whole list of new responsibilities that nobody warns you about. They don't tell you that while your parents might roll their eyes in a messy room, roommates will leave you passive-aggressive sticky notes, which are actually a pretty effective means of changing behavior for some people, me, for example. They also don't tell you that you really need to go to bed before 2 a.m. every night, which, I'll be honest, I did not last night, although I try to most nights. They don't tell you that you really need to limit your intake of pizza, ramen, and soft serve. There is a reason that parents don't serve that for dinner. But, most importantly, they don't tell you that it's your responsibility to figure out who God is. Once it became my responsibility to wake up for church on Sunday mornings, I stopped. I was so affected by this claustrophobic feeling I had surrounding the word church that I just didn't want to go. I got lazy. I believed in God, but I just sort of floated along. My best friend and I did a try tending church for a while, and that experience in that place just sort of furthered solidified the claustrophobic fears I had surrounding churches. If we missed a Sunday, we received emails from members of the congregation inquiring about where we were and if we were feeling okay. And while some people might enjoy that feeling of community, I freaked out and I ran. I ignored emails and avoided people if I saw them in public. I was probably drastically overreacting, but I was just starting to feel so trapped 
and I didn't have the heart to tell these people to lay off a little and stop caring about me so much. Then religion came up in class from time to time. I prayed when I remembered to, and I read over half of the Bible on SST, partly because I wanted to and partly because I had already read Catcher in the Rye twice. But God wasn't going to let me off the hook that easily. God had lessons planned for me at Goshen. These lessons were to come to me in people that I would meet. I met someone on campus who taught me that when I'm afraid, I just need to pray. There are very real and very scary things in the world, but God is bigger than all of those things. Second semester of my junior year, I lived in the apartments. And one night when I was alone, I had a pretty intense panic attack. I called this person and she calmly said, I know that you have a Bible in your room, on your desk, go and open it up. I know that you'll be fine, but call me if you need anything. I ran into my room terrified and threw open the Bible and I immediately felt calmed. I imagined this beautiful pink fog just filling my apartment. I now believe this to be the Holy Spirit. I learned that as a Christian, I had access to this. Whenever I was afraid or anxious, which is actually pretty frequent by the way, I just need to pray. God will fill the situation and protect me no matter what. I was so on fire for God after this happened. But as a busy college student, I prioritized God out of my life. If I have two papers to write and a test to study for, I'm not going to take time to read the Bible. My thoughts will probably be consumed until I fall asleep on the keyboard or in the pages of a textbook. I hate to say that, but it's true. Oddly enough, the most important part of my sanity is what gets pushed out when deadlines roll around. I got consumed by this, and my fire went out. Fast forward a bit, and God became more real to me than I ever thought possible. By prayer and petition, my own and the others present, I witnessed God's healing and reclaiming of a person right in front of me. That day I came face to face with evil and I told it that I was not afraid. I was not afraid. And that's a big deal for me. I have spent so much of my life in fear. I have been paralyzed by it, medicated because of it, and broken down through it. Once I claimed the strength that was available to me through the Holy Spirit, my fire didn't just reignite, it exploded. I was in a state of constant prayer, praising God, thanking God. I felt so at ease and so happy. I was filled with this righteous power and I didn't fear anything. Since then, my fire has been burning pretty consistently. I try to fan the flames to keep it at that level, but I find that I can't always do that. But now I am blessed to have found a church and a community that helps me through. My church is like nothing I've ever experienced before. The kids run around unabashedly, the people share honestly, and the grace flows freely. These people are real. These people are unplanned. They might have an idea of what will happen, but they go with the flow. They leave room for God. With all of this in mind, 
I no longer view church as four walls. I view church as other people. Church can happen at the bench behind the apartments at 3.30 in the morning. It can happen on the car, in the car on the way home from a peace conference. It can happen when a group of women unite to share the anonymous stories of women at Goshen College. Church can happen wherever we let it. I choose my life, trying to, tr- or I choose to live my life, trying to treat every person I meet as if they're Jesus. I do not always succeed in doing this, but by trying, I'm at least allowing the possibility. Although I have not yet met the one true Jesus face to face, as far as I know, I have seen glimpses in the faces of people that I have met here in the last four years. And it's only because of these people and through these people that I am leaving this place a much better and healthier person than when I arrived. Thank you. All right, and now um, we're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us, Uh, but you will notice that some of the words are a little bit different. We did a little editing to make it a bit more inclusive. Um, So while this is a very familiar song for people, do note, you know, that we changed a couple of the words on the PowerPoint. All right. Why should I gain from 
Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrea Moya, and it's my senior year here. I'm a sociology major. My faith journey started when I was being carried in my mother's belly. During that time, my parents were planting their first church in a city called Armenia, Colombia, where my two older brothers were also born. My dad and mom grew up in Catholic households, but converted to the Mennonite faith when they were in college thirsty for a message that proclaimed peace in a context of violence. I talk about my parents because their faith journey inevitably influenced my life journey. When I was eight years old, my parents accepted a job with the Mennonite Mission Network to do leadership training in Anabaptist theology with indigenous people in Ecuador. We moved to Quito, the capital city, in 2000. During those 10 years, my parents eventually started the Quito Mennonite Church. It was through this space and community that my faith was nurtured the most. Our church family was composed of lower to middle class Ecuadorians, as well as refugees from Colombia. I grew up hearing their stories and struggles, seeing the effects of a system of violence. I remember the first refugee family we visited, they were a young couple and their newborn baby. They rented a small room in a very, very poor neighborhood. The walls of this room were still unfinished. There was mold creeping up the ceiling. There was one mattress, a two-burner portable stove, a crib, and a sink. Sadly, this story is not unique to their experience. We heard these struggles from many other families and individuals every Sunday during sharing time. Pray that we will find a job. Pray that we can find money to afford this surgery. Pray that our children are not bullied in school because they are Colombian. Pray so that our extended family does not receive any more death threats. Pray so that this person who has been following our family will leave us alone. Pray. How can you have hope in a God of life when there are so many deaths around you? How can you believe in a God of peace when violence has chased you to distant lands in a never-ending search for security? How can you believe in a God of love when your life is in danger if you visit those who you love most? And how can you believe in a God of justice when you are being exploited and not being paid fair wages because of your document status? If you listen closely, these questions can also be applied to our immigrant neighbors in the United States. These are hard questions. These are hard realities. A while ago, I said that my church was where my faith was nurtured the most. Like Allison, by church I mean the people and the meaningful interactions, the sharing of stories, emotional, spiritual, spiritual as well as economic and material support. Through people sharing food with those who cannot afford it, and through them sharing that food with even poorer people, I learned to believe in a God of life. 
through seeing the transformation of people that made choices to break the cycle of violence they came from, such as not transporting and dealing drugs or not participating in robberies, I learned about a God of peace. Through spending Christmas, New Year's, birthdays, and many other celebrations with people around me I could call family, I learned about a God of love. And through hearing the despair, anxiety, and anger that came from being discriminated against, abused, and exploited, I learned that if I dared to believe in a God of justice, it is my responsibility to deconstruct systems of oppression around us and to build relationships and communities that truly give life. Since this is my last year in college, I want to share a little bit of what I will be doing in the future. I'm going to be with MVS in Chicago, MVS's Mennonite Voluntary Service, working with immigrant communities, hopefully through some sort of after-school education program. Um, last fall, I accepted the calling to serve the all-encompassing God. To do this through serving and working with Latin American people that are in need or poverty. I have always had this idea in mind, but over the fall, I made the commitment to live a life of service. I had always heard of the word calling, but never really understood it until I received it. A calling is felt. There's an intellectual or reasoning side to it, but it is much greater than that. And I understood that last fall. I see Jesus Christ as a role model in how to live a life that reflects love, criticizes the system, and that is always on the side of the oppressed. I think that we can all live this lifestyle. I think that that is the good news, that we can all participate in the kingdom or queendom of peace and justice, respect and love, compassion and reconciliation. May God give us peace. May God give us strength. May good things be done. We're going to sing number 400 in the blue hymnal, Santo, Santo, Santo. Um, the words will also be on the screen, but it's number 400. I think you should stand. <laughs> we'll sing in Spanish the first part and the second part, and it repeats each time, and then we'll do it in English.
Good morning. I'm Quinn Brinicky. I'm a senior interdisciplinary studies and communications double major from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was baptized 22 years ago on my one month birthday exactly. And so in some ways you could say that I didn't choose faith so much as faith was chosen for me. Uh, but during my life since that first month, I've tried to make faith my own. And as I look back at that journey, I've realized that it was not so much that I searched for God, but that God searched for me. Coming to Goshen was not a decision I thought I would ever make. I grew up an hour away from here my entire life. I had never heard of this place until the end of high school when I started getting those random mailings from colleges. And during my senior year of high school, I finally hit that stressful moment of needing to make a college decision. So I started to pray, and I turned in my Bible to the book of James, and I read these words from chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. At that point, I was pretty sure that Mennonites were the people who had bonnets and buggies, and I'd never heard of peace theology in my entire life, but when I read that scripture, I had a spiritual sense that I should go to the place that used the word peace in every single advertisement they had. <laughs> and I arrived here, and when I arrived, I probably would have described my faith as something that made me emotionally healthy. Daily devotions kept me sane during pretty crazy college life, and God was really real to me when I prayed and when I went to emotional worship services on Friday nights. And at those places, I talked to people about faith and I made some of the best, the best friends I've ever had in my entire life, and I made them here through faith. And I'd still say that today I'm more comfortable singing praise songs than singing hymns. And although I've gotten out of the habit, daily devotionals are still something that I find really important. But I can't say that my faith is the same now that it was three and a half years ago. In fact, it's pretty significantly different. I applied for the service inquiry program during my sophomore year here, mainly because I didn't want to spend another summer at home and the scholarship money seemed like a pretty good idea. And I remember really wanting to work for some kind of nonprofit, doing programming or working with immigration. And I had just recently read Shane Claiborne's book, The Irresistible Revolution. And if you've read it, you'll know what I mean, but I really wanted to live in an intentional community with other Christians. And so Bob Yoder and I, looked into some options of where I could do my service, and it was seeming like nothing was going to work out. And in one of those really stressful moments again, I turned to Google, and I did a random Google search for a placement of a service project that I could do that summer. 
And I found a program in Chicago that would allow me to lead short-term mission trips for high school youth groups and middle school youth groups. And so I went to Chicago, I interviewed with the program, and it felt all right. And I was about to head back to Goshen. And just before I stepped on the L, the subway train in Chicago, I walked past the scene of a shooting that happened just minutes before. And the weight of that moment was heavy and the air was thick and <laughs> there was a sense that I was like, what am I getting myself into? And at the same time, there was a sense that I couldn't turn down this job in Chicago because I felt like there was something there that I needed to learn and there was something there that I needed to be a part of. So that random Google search for a service placement ended up leading me to one of the most influential seasons of my life. And in Chicago, I became friends with people who faced homelessness, alcoholism, I mentored kids who were living in the middle of gang violence, and in those desperate, violent places, I saw the work of Jesus, working and loving people through the local church in Chicago. That fall, I got back to Goshen after being on the spiritual high and having this life-changing experience. And Goshen was just not quite the same that it was when I left it before. People had changed, I had changed, and I started asking myself questions like, what is faith anyway? And why do I care about it? And what does it look like and do I even have it? And luckily I was surrounded by this wonderful community, you all. But at the same time, I felt a sense of loneliness because I wanted to be understood and I wanted that experience in Chicago to be a part of me, but I was struggling to find people who totally understood that. And so that spring of my junior year, moving forward, um, I went on SST to Peru, which was good timing, I needed a change of scenery. And I was placed during the, the six-week service portion at the end of SST with a pastor's family, where I ended up going to church multiple times a week, and all of the church services were in the language Quechua, which is the indigenous language of the Andes and Peru. I didn't understand what anyone was saying ever, and the songs that we sang were traditional Andino music, um, which involves clapping and really high-pitched female voices, and I found it really hard to worship in that. But what I saw all around me was people in my church genuinely worshiping God. There was this woman who, every time we sang, would move her hands up and down like this, every song, and it was as if she was pulling God toward her. And I saw how these viejitas, these old women in my church, closed their eyes, and they sang in their own language. Dios taitayay, hamyam kanki yoha yaipak, 
Michich Nyaiha, Manami Mapas, Pisi Wanhan Yachu. Jehová es mi pastor, nada me faltará. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They were the ones that had less than me. And yet they were so hopeful and so faithful that God would give them provision. And something in me began to change. I found that worshiping God with that church was happening. I was worshiping. And it was not like anything else I had ever experienced before. But it was profound. And I kept hearing my heart hear God say, I am here. And I heard that, and I knew that, and it didn't feel like anything I had felt before. And in fact, I didn't really feel it, but it was faith. Moving forward, I spent the next summer in Philadelphia working at Oxford Circle Mennonite Church, which, by the way, I didn't really want to do in the first place. It was kind of a whim that I ended up there. Honestly, I was afraid that I wouldn't find any Mennonite church that I felt like I could fit into. Um, I love the Mennonites here, but I kind of came in as an outsider, not really understanding. Um, But I talked to Bob, and we found a church that would probably work, and it really, really did. Um, My church in Philly is a lot different than a lot of the Mennonite churches I've visited here in the area. Uh, We sang praise music. Racially, we looked a lot different than a lot of the churches I visited here. Uh, We were in a poor neighborhood. We were in the inner city. But there, I felt absolutely welcomed by the church Christians. Like, no matter what baggage I brought there, they took me in and they accepted me more than I've ever felt before. There were a congregation where the Spirit of God moved in them during prayer and during worship, and it led them to carry out the work of Jesus in their poor neighborhood. It was beautiful. There I came to understand why the church, Christians, the church is so important to me. In all of the places I've talked about, I saw profound oppression and poverty and pain. But I also saw Jesus in the flesh, living with people and loving them and accepting them. And that is why I need the church, because it's a place for broken people like me. And it's a real movement that proves that God is healing our world. The church is for my divorced parents. It's for my black mentors, for my Latino host families, my European best friend, my alcoholic family members, my disabled family members, and for my deer hunting conservative brother who happens to look just like me. (laughs) And the more that I see how the church mobilizes in the world, I cannot think of a single person, broken, who cannot be accepted into that.
During college, I found God among oppressed and poor people in the inner city and in the barrios of South America. And it was too irresistible to leave. It's where I found complete acceptance and it's where I found hope that the world is getting better. Isaiah 58, verse 11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Amen. Next, we're going to sing All to Jesus I Surrender, um, which Quinn requested. Um, and because of influential times on SST, we'll sing some of the verses in Spanish. Um, the words are on the projection, and Sam will be playing the melody on violin so that you can hear it better. <laughs>
And to close, we'll sing number 521 in the blue hymnal, Come Thou Fount, 521. Go ahead and stand up. Come seated. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Quinn. As we go into the weekend, into the end of the year, and into the rest of our lives, may we be mindful of the presence of God and the people around us and open to hearing and honoring others' stories and sharing our own. May God give us peace. May God give us strength. May good things be done. Go in peace. <laughs>